Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. The stories submitted for this episode range from sweetly supernatural to terrifying paranormal activity. I'll start this episode with a tale of my own, and you'll finally come to realize why I hate dolls. Okay, ready to get spooked? I wasn't your typical kid after age four or five. A few episodes back, I talked about sharing a story from my own childhood. I wasn't entirely sure if this was a dream, but after asking my mom if she remembered me telling her about my doll that came alive one night, she said yes. I was around four or five years old when this happened. We were pretty poor growing up, and me and my two older brothers always shared a bed. I didn't mind it because they always made me feel extremely safe. Around that age, I was obsessed with saying my prayers at night. I would kneel by the bed, clasp my hands together, and pray. This particular night, my brothers were already sound asleep. I grabbed my doll, knelt down by the side of the bed, and began to pray. I remembered my doll was right next to me. I looked down to remind her to make sure she was saying her prayers. I said, Are you praying? Then, her head slowly turned and looked up at me. Her eyes were glowing red, and fear shot through me immediately. I was frozen with fear, and I know my eyes were wide. I don't remember if I climbed back in bed or if I ran to my mom, but I do remember telling her what happened. All I remember after that was ordering that the doll be thrown away. I made up my mind then that I would never own another stuffed animal or a doll. To this day, I still hate them. What about you, listener? Have you ever had a toy come to life like I did? Michelle M. did, and this is her experience. When I was young, maybe seven or eight, I had a favorite uncle. He pushed me higher on the swings than anyone and always was super cool. Sadly, he passed away due to a spider bite in his sleep causing kidney failure. He had bought me this Barney doll. At the time, I loved it because it was from him even though I hated Barney. The song I Love You was from his heart. And I kept it in this stuffed animal net in the corner of my room. That night, I was very sad and lonely after hearing of his death, and being so young, I hadn't been allowed to go to the funeral. As I lay in the bed, the song began to play. It was Barney singing, I love you. Now, this was one of those dolls that required you to push something for it to sing, so I figured the animals had shifted with gravity or weight or whatever and made it sing. I got up and crawled on top of my dresser to reach all the way into the net and pulled out Barney. But the doll's mouth didn't move like it normally did, and the sound wasn't coming from it. I placed it down on my dresser and dug towards the sound until I pulled out my absolute favorite toy. It was a seafoam green brontosaurus worn with use and love. It was the one singing. It was not able to do this. It was a standard stuffed toy. No animatronics or audio boxes, but it sang my favorite song all the same. I was so happy that I crawled back into bed and slept, no longer worried about anything. I remember telling my dad in the morning about the Barney and he pulled it open and found the battering compartment empty. 
He shrugged it off as juice still stuck in the system or something, but I don't think so. I honestly think my uncle came back in his own little way to say goodbye to me. He let my favorite toy sing my favorite song. Michelle, I very much agree with your belief that it was your uncle saying goodbye. If you two were very close, his soul could likely not move on without telling you goodbye in some way and attempting to comfort you in your time of confusion and loss. Much like Michelle's uncle, Memento Mori denied the presence of her grandmother until she finally had enough and trolled her. Hard. In 2011, I was 26 and two months pregnant with my first child when my grandmother died at 67 from a rare form of breast cancer. My grandmother raised me and I consider her to be my actual mother. I was living with her, my grandfather, and my significant other when she was nearing the end. She lamented that she wouldn't live to see my baby be born. She hoped it was a girl. I fiercely wanted a boy, but she wound up getting her wish. My daughter is six now. She went to the ER one night saying, I just don't feel right. Later, she called me from the hospital and said, I think I'm done. I'm pulling the plug. I scoffed at her typical dark humor since she was fully alert and functional, not on any life support at all, and possibly had weeks or months before she would pass. The next day, I was awakened by a phone call from my grandfather. She had died peacefully within minutes as they were wheeling her across the hall to the hospice unit. She had pulled the plug. My grandfather moved out of the house a month later into his apartment. My significant other and I remained in her house for the duration of my pregnancy until my daughter was eight months old. The following events still leave me mystified. There's the possessed clock. I'm an RN and worked the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. night shifts throughout my pregnancy. One morning, only a month or so after my grandmother died, I lied down on the couch in the den after work. Half asleep, I heard the old grandfather clock in the front living room start to chime. I wondered who had wound the clock as it hadn't been touched in years. I figured my dad had done it on one of the recent visits to the house. I counted to myself, bong, one, two, twelve, thirteen, I jumped up and ran to the clock as it continued its frantic clanging. I actually dug into the face and inner mechanisms of the clock trying desperately to make it stop. I was baffled, but shrugged it off. Then I heard someone upstairs. I had spent the majority of my life in that house. It was a circa 1960s colonial style house, two stories. I knew every creak and groan that house made. The upstairs hall had weird old laminate flooring that made a very distinct crackling sound when someone walked on it. My significant other and I would be sitting in the living room downstairs watching TV and would hear someone walking up and down the hallways upstairs. He would look at me and I'd just shake my head and say, it's nothing, just the house settling. The living room is directly under what was my grandmother's bedroom. The footsteps would fade off 
I would relax, only to hear dragging noises and loud booms from directly above us, like someone was moving furniture and dropping things in her bedroom. There were no pets in the home, just me and my significant other. Still, I was, nope, 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 it's the heater, I'd say. The heat wasn't on, and on and on, I'd explain it away. The more I ignored it, the worse things got. So there's a door. My grandmother had been robbed in 1982 before I was born, so we always had an alarm system. Her master bedroom door was connected to the alarm and was rigged so that once you pulled it shut, it would not open by itself, or else the alarm would have accidentally gone off and the cops would come. Again, remember, this door was designed not to open once shut. Being lazy, we never set the alarm after she died. My bedroom was directly across from hers. I never went in her room as it made me too sad and my significant other never did either. One morning, as I walked up the stairs after coming home, I noticed her door was open, about four to six inches, just enough to see inside or outside. Puzzled, I figured again that my dad had been in there over the weekend and had forgotten to pull the door closed. I shut it, made sure it was latched, and went to bed. A few days later, home from work again, I walk up the stairs, the door is open, the exact same way. My father hadn't been over since I'd shut the door last. I stood for a moment, shook my head, shut it, and then went to bed. A few days later, the same thing. This time, I woke my sleeping significant other, yelling for him to come see the door and making him swear he didn't open it. He was sleepy and baffled. I made him stand and watch as I shut the door and banged on it with all my might to show it was latched shut. A few days later, I'm down in the kitchen, eating cereal before heading up to bed. You can see the stairs and the bottom of the landing where her door is from where I was sitting. Again, I grew up in that house. I knew every noise. As I sat there, I heard the old doorknob to her bedroom turn, and the door creak open by itself. I just sat with the spoon half raised with my mouth hanging open in disbelief. Slowly, I climbed the stairs, muttering, no fucking way, no fucking way. I peeked just over the landing. Her door was open. Needless to say, I burst into my room and woke my significant other shouting about the door opening while I was right downstairs. I was furious and confused and made him swear he wasn't fucking with me. He couldn't have been since it was dead silent and I would have heard him walk across the hall to her room. So, being a weirdo, I decided to come up with an experiment. The final proof. So taking a cue from Paranormal Activity, I devised an experiment. I took cooking spray and flour and coated the doorknob to my grandmother's room. First, I sprayed the inside knob and coated it perfectly, then gently closed the door and made sure it was latched. Then, I coated the outer knob. I took pictures of this, and unfortunately, this was years ago and I've since lost the photos, which I'm so pissed about. I figured this way, I'd know if my significant other was messing with me because the flower would give him away more than anything. I went to work and told my nurse friend about what was going on, and she said, Wouldn't it be the creepiest thing if the door was open and there were fingerprints on the inside doorknob? I guess that would be proof. We both laughed at this, and I went on with my night. I come home at 8 a.m. as usual, walk up the stairs, and her door is wide open. Not the usual four to six inches, but wide enough for a person to walk through. 
I wake up my significant other and we investigate. The flower on the outer doorknob is pristine, but on the inside doorknob, there they were. Five perfect fingerprints. It looked exactly as if someone had grabbed the knob from inside her room and turned it. I lost my shit. I yelled out loud like a madwoman. Okay, okay, grandmother, I get it. You're here. Now please stop fucking with me. After that, the activity stopped. Just stopped. The door never opened again. No more footsteps. Nothing. It was just like she wanted me to acknowledge her, and the more I ignored her, the louder she got. I've always enjoyed paranormal and creepy stuff, but I lean towards logic and debunking whenever possible. This was one instance where my logic finally failed me. My grandmother was an amazing and very outspoken woman who refused to be ignored, alive or dead. I loved her dearly and miss her every day. Thanks for reading this. Wow, Grandma sure was persistent. I wouldn't be as brave as you, though. I will be honest that I've noticed things happening in my home that I kind of explain away. I'm wondering now if my brain is just creating these things because I'm doing the show, but who knows. One of my favorite haunted cities is San Antonio, Texas. Beck Stam takes us back to San Antonio to share her terrifying experience. I've previously lived in both Houston and San Antonio, Texas, and both places I have had very strange encounters. Most were harmless in Houston, but San Antonio was the worst. And of course, in a house full of people, I was the target. I am sharing my worst experience I have ever had. I still remember it vividly. The experience starts around 3 a.m. on a school night. I lived in a second-story apartment towards the back of the apartment complex. We shared one interior wall with one neighbor, and all others were exterior walls with no outdoor access without an extension ladder. Anyway, it was about 3 a.m., and I was woken up by music coming from the front of the apartment. I was suddenly wide awake, so I leave the back bedroom I was sleeping in and join my older sibling who was working on some school assignment and playing music. She remarked about finding old files, what were thought to have been lost when reformatting, and we went through the music reminiscing. After a few minutes, we came across an old parody song created by a local radio station. We clicked it, ready to sing along, but were met with strange and disturbing sounds instead. It was incredibly slow and garbled instead of the pop song parody we were expecting. We assumed it was a corrupted file, but it still sounded scary, so we decided to turn it off. It did not seem like the song played for more than 15 to 20 seconds, but the counter read almost two minutes into a song that was supposed to be only a minute and a half. We shut it off and deleted that song and then sat in silence for a brief moment before playing more music to take our minds off what had just happened. Banging on the walls of our second floor apartment, on an exterior wall. Three knocks, quiet enough to initially ignore, but loud enough to provide a definitive source. The sound had come from the far back of the apartment, from the room I had just left, sounding as if it were near my bed. Then, nothing. 
I didn't say anything about the sound. I just wanted to ignore it. But then it came again. This time to the sheared wall still in the far back of the apartment. I stood stone still, heart racing but determined not to acknowledge it. Several minutes passed and I almost felt at ease until I heard it again. This time it was closer but still on the shared wall. After the knocks finished, I finally asked my sibling if she had heard banging on the walls. Of course, sweet Jesus, she had to. We heard them at the same time, same location. Still ignoring the first knocks, we decided to dismiss them as the neighbor's insomnia and hammering on the walls. Yep, three knocks to get a nail in. We wanted to believe that, until we heard the knocks again, but this time much closer in the room adjacent to us. It was swift, louder, and in the room right next to us. I wanted to cry and run. My sister immediately let me know that she heard that, and so did I. We both stayed planted where we were, too afraid to move staring towards the room next to us. With the knocks advancing, if it had happened again, it would be right in front of us, and I had no idea what I would do, or what it could do. Then all of a sudden, the ceiling light overhead shook and it was followed by a loud, swift bang over us. And just as fast, it seemed like it was right on top of us. It was suddenly coming from the sliding glass doors about 15 feet behind us. A dark booming bang, bang, bang across the entire wall and doors as if the fist was the size of a giant. All the while this was happening, I wanted to run out of the house and was actually taking huge steps just to do that until my sister reminded me that it was outside. Just as fast as it had happened, it was over, and we were left standing in a deadly silent living room. I was volunteered to check the lock on the sliding glass door, but it was already locked. I don't know why that made me feel better. Apparently, whatever entity that was respected locked doors. No one else admitted to hearing anything in the apartment that night. My mom called it mass hysteria and was very adamant that if it did happen, there was no way she would have slept through it. She did sleep through our screams, so I'm not sure how much we could trust that. Years later, my brother finally admitted to hearing the bangs as well. Nothing like that happened again, and I never really investigated it either. Weird paranormal things continue to happen. Voices calling my name, the feeling of a presence while I slept. Reflections that weren't really there. A family friend who was a medium told us not to respond to any voices we heard calling our names. To this day, if I don't see your face calling me, I'm not answering you. After we left Texas, nothing else happened with me or anyone in my family that I know of. Sometimes I wonder if that would have still happened if I woke up or if I was woken up to save me. Like I said in the beginning, I was the only one that had things happening to me. It took a long time and unsolicited advice from the medium friend until I was believed. My summary was... This was one hell of a close call. See, I've lived in a semi-haunted apartment once, and when I finally moved out, I felt so much better. I'm so glad that you were able to find some type of understanding from those around you. Not being believed about a truly terrifying experience is so hard. Our next story from Quietly Anxious reminds me of the urban legend of the babysitter who gets a phone call in the middle of the night only to realize too late that the killer 
is already in the house. This happened when I was a kid around 2005, when I was eight or so. I lived in a medium-sized, middle-class home in Central Florida that was built in the 1980s. So when I was a kid, I was home with the only other person in the house being my mom. We lived with my grandma and my younger sister, but they were out of the house when this happened. It was the middle of the day and my mom and I were sitting on the bed in her room talking about random things. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but I do distinctly remember my mom pausing in the middle of a sentence and then asking me, did you hear that? After a moment. I didn't notice anything, so I just said no, and we continued talking. Not too long after that, the phone rang. Now, at this point in time, there were only two phones in the house, one of which was my grandma's cell phone, which she always kept on her. My mom was always between cell phones because she kept having service issues or breaking them in some fashion. You know, cheap flip phones. Anyways, the other phone was a landline home phone that was kept in the master bedroom, which was on the opposite side of the house from where my mom's room was. My mom got up to go get the home phone, but by the time she got to it, it went to voicemail. She brought it back into the room, sat down, and listened to the message that was left. I watched her as she was listening to the voicemail, And I noticed that she was becoming more and more visibly upset, and as it went on, she was at the point of crying at the end. This obviously freaked me out, and I repeatedly asked her what was wrong. In response, she played the voicemail back to me on speaker. At first, there was a static-type noise, but then I suddenly heard what sounded like a recording of us talking shortly before the phone rang. Now, this is where it gets freakier. When my mom paused, then asked me, Did you hear that? A completely different voice then said, Yeah, you heard me all right, and then went back to the static. At that point, I freaked out a bit and felt very uncomfortable. My mom pulled herself together enough to search around both inside and outside the house to see if she could find anything or anyone, but she came up with nothing. She came back in, and we sat there trying to think about how that could have happened. In the end, it never happened again. My mom believed in the paranormal, and thought it was some sort of malevolent spirit or demon. She even tried to record EVPs a few times, but I don't know if anything ever came out of it. I still have no explanation for it to this day. I don't know much about the history of the house, not that it was old to begin with, or anything that happened near it. Wow, (laughs) I can't even imagine the amount of fear and terror that you all must have felt hearing that strange voice on the other end. And the fact that it was recording you is even more terrifying and makes me extremely uncomfortable. And I wouldn't be as brave as your mom. There's no way I would have gone outside of my home to see if anybody was there. So kudos to her. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. I want to thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help the show out. 
You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Audio engineering is provided by Chess Gray, who manages Chess Gray Music. The official composer for the show is We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that?